"'Hm,' said the old gentleman, pulling down the white waistcoat that had the big gilt buttons on it. "'What did you say the name was? Frying Pansky?' "'No, no,' said Bobby earnestly. "'I'll write it down for you. It doesn't really look at all like that, except when you say it. "'Have you a bit of pencil in the back of an envelope?' she asked. The old gentleman got out a gold pencil-case and a beautiful, sweet-smelling, green Russian leather notebook, and opened it at a new page. "'Here,' he said. "'Right here.' She wrote down S-Z-E-Z-C-P-A-N-S-K-Y, and said, "'That's how you write it. You call it Chapansky.' The old gentleman took out a pair of gold-rimmed spectacles and fitted them on his nose. When he had read the name, he looked quite different. "'That man! Bless my soul!' he said. "'Why, I've read his book. It's translated into every European language. A fine book, a noble book. And so your mother took him in, like the Good Samaritan. Well, well. I'll tell you what, youngsters, your mother must be a very good woman.' "'Of course she is,' said Phyllis, in astonishment. "'And you're a very good man,' said Bobby, very shy, but firmly resolved to be polite. "'You flatter me,' said the old gentleman, taking off his hat with a flourish. "'And now am I to tell you what I think of you?' "'Oh, please don't,' said Bobby hastily. "'Why?' asked the old gentleman. "'I don't exactly know,' said Bobby. "'Only if it's horrid, I don't want you to. "'And if it's nice, I'd rather you didn't.' The old gentleman laughed. "'Well, then,' he said, "'I'll only just say that I'm very glad you came to me about this, very glad indeed, and I shouldn't be surprised if I found out something very soon. I know a great many Russians in London, and every Russian knows his name. Now tell me all about yourselves.' He turned to the others, but there was only one other, and that was Peter. Phyllis had disappeared. "'Tell me all about yourself,' said the old gentleman again, and quite naturally Peter was stricken dumb. "'All right, we'll have an examination.' said the old gentleman. You two sit on the table, and I'll sit on the bench and ask questions. He did, and out came their names and ages, their father's name and business, how long they had lived at Three Chimneys, and a great deal more. The questions were beginning to turn on a herring and a half for three halfpence, and a pound of lead and a pound of feathers, when the door of the waiting-room was kicked open by a boot. As the boot entered, everyone could see that its lace was coming undone, and in came Phyllis, very slowly and carefully. In one hand she carried a large tin can, and in the other a thick slice of bread and butter. "'Afternoon tea,' she announced proudly, and held the can and the bread and butter out to the old gentleman, who took them and said, "'Bless my soul!' "'Yes,' said Phyllis. "'That's very thoughtful of you,' said the old gentleman. "'Very.' "'But you might have got a cup,' said Bobby, "'and a plate.' "'Perks always drinks out of the can,' said Phyllis, flushing red. "'I think it was very nice of him to give it to me at all.' "'Let alone cups and plates,' she added. "'So do I,' said the old gentleman, and he drank some of the tea and tasted the bread and butter. And then it was time for the next train, and he got into it with many good-byes and kind last words. "'Well,' said Peter, when they were left on the platform, and the tail-lights of the train disappeared round the corner, "'it's my belief that we've lighted a candle to-day, like Latimer, you know, when he was being burned, and there'll be fireworks for our Russian before long.' And so there were. It wasn't ten days after the interview in the waiting-room that the three children were sitting on the top of the biggest rock in the field below their house, watching the 5.15 steam away from the station along the bottom of the valley. They saw, too, the few people who had got out at the station straggling up the road towards the village, and they saw one person leave the road and open the gate that led across the fields to three chimneys, and to nowhere else. "'Who on earth?' said Peter, scrambling down. "'Let's go and see,' said Phyllis. So they did. 
and when they got near enough to see who the person was, they saw it was their old gentleman himself, his brass buttons winking in the afternoon sunshine, and his white waistcoat looking whiter than ever against the green of the field. Hello! shouted the children, waving their hands. Hello! shouted the old gentleman, waving his hat. Then the three started to run, and when they got to him, they hardly had breath left to say, How do you do? Good news, said he. I found your Russian friend's wife and child, and I couldn't resist the temptation of giving myself the pleasure of telling him. But as he looked at Bobby's face, he felt that he could resist that temptation. Here, he said to her, you run on and tell him. The other two will show me the way. Bobby ran. But when she had breathlessly panted out the news to the Russian and mother sitting in the quiet garden, when mother's face had lighted up so beautifully, and she had said half a dozen quick French words to the exile, Bobby wished that she had not carried the news. For the Russian sprang up with a cry that made Bobby's heart leap and then tremble, a cry of love and longing such as she had never heard. Then he took mother's hand and kissed it gently and reverently, and he sank down in his chair and covered his face with his hands and sobbed. Bobby crept away. She did not want to see the others just then. But she was as gay as anybody when the endless French talking was over, when Peter had torn down to the village for buns and cakes, and the girls had got tea ready and taken it out into the garden. The old gentleman was most merry and delightful. He seemed to be able to talk in French and English almost at the same moment, and mother did nearly as well. It was a delightful time. Mother seemed as if she could not make enough fuss about the old gentleman, and she said yes at once when he asked if he might present some goodies to his little friends. The word was new to the children, but they guessed it meant sweets, for the three large pink and green boxes tied with green ribbon, which he took out of his bag, held unheard of layers of beautiful chocolates. The Russian's few belongings were packed, and they all saw him off at the station. Then mother turned to the old gentleman and said, I don't know how to thank you for everything. It has been a real pleasure to me to see you. But we live very quietly. I am so sorry that I can't ask you to come and see us again. The children thought this very hard. When they had made a friend, and such a friend, they would dearly have liked him to come and see them again. What the old gentleman thought they couldn't tell. He only said, I consider myself very fortunate, madam, to have been received once at your house. Ah, said mother, I know I must seem surly and ungrateful, but you could never seem anything but a most charming and gracious lady, said the old gentleman with another of his bows. And as they turned to go up the hill, Bobby saw her mother's face. How tired you look, mummy, she said. Lean on me. It's my place to give mother my arm, said Peter. I'm the head man of the family when father's away. Mother took an arm of each. How awfully nice, said Phyllis, skipping joyfully, to think of the dear Russian embracing his long lost wife. The baby must have grown up a lot since he saw it. Yes, said mother. I wonder whether father will think I've grown, Phyllis went on, skipping still more gaily. I've grown already, haven't I, mother? Yes, said mother. Oh, yes. And Bobby and Peter felt her hands tighten on their arms. Poor old mummy, you are tired, said Peter. Bobby said, Come on, Phil, I'll race you to the gate. And she started the race, though she hated doing it. You know why Bobby did that. Mother only thought that Bobby was tired of walking slowly. Even mothers, who love you better than anyone else ever will, don't always understand.